podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the Resurrection of Our Lord Easter Sunday for the week of April 9th, 2023. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and he has risen. He has risen indeed. Alleluia. Boy, is it nice to be able to pull up the hallelujahs, the alleluias, all these that we put away for Lent and be able to celebrate this momentous recognition of what happened in our faith and such a monumental day within the faith. And so it's really fun to be able to do that and to jump into that and think about that. And I think this week, as we are getting into this week's podcast, I think we're going to be able to play with some of these different ideas. But before we do that, we have to look at last week's question, which was, did we actually learn from the crucifixion of Christ or are we going to do it again with the environment? It leads pretty well into what is going on right now. And I think in a lot of ways, when we are reading the story again and again and again, like we do with Easter Sunday or the resurrection of our Lord Sunday, it's really easy to have our eyes glaze over. It's really easy to be so familiar with the story that we miss this. And especially, I think next week's texts are kind of really important because I think it also shows kind of the more human response. We're used to this initial response and how the, the few people who were able to see the resurrected Jesus initially and how they reacted and the running, we know that part of the story, but we don't necessarily take enough time to really think about the next part of the story, which will be next week's. But I think it's this recognition of when we have heard this story so many times it becomes really easy for us to be numb to it. And I think that's one of the things right now when we're looking at just when we talked about last week, the evolution of cell phones and how far they have gotten and how we've become numb to how it has been so transformative in such a short period of time and vice versa with how the environment is changing, the climate around us is changing and we keep having these warning signs and yet we still wrestle with the idea of are we actually going to go forth and do them. I think that's another one of these things. And I think it's in a certain way you could argue as a flaw within our human DNA, just how we process and look at the world typically. We don't have a long enough horizon. And a lot of times our lifetimes aren't long enough to be able to see the impacts fully of what we're doing. And you could argue that with what we saw last week with the crucifixion of Christ and now coming full circle with the end of that story this week on how that all happens, I think that's important. So let's just jump into it. Now, first, I want to recognize, one, I am not doing any of the Easter vigil texts. I'm also not doing any of the Easter evening texts. We're just going to focus on the resurrection of the Lord because otherwise we could be here for easily 45 minutes just summarizing texts because there's so many. The other part of this is, We have what I like to call an alternative reading just in general. It's Acts chapter 10 verses 35 to 43. And the reason that I say that is it can both be the first reading or the second reading. So let's just start off right with that. So the alternative reading being Acts chapter 10 verses 34 through 43. This is a moment where Peter lays out the gospel in the best possible way that Peter really ever does that we have within the Gospels. He's speaking on what was Jesus all about, and especially coming from Peter, spending all the time with Peter, 
there's a good recognition that he came to give this message to the people of Israel. He was anointed in Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and was going out and healing people. And he's telling the story. And then we get to verse 40. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, coming that they was put to death and hung on the tree, coming from the B part of verse 39. And that it continues in verse 41. Not all the people, but to us who were chosen by God to witness and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This recognition of what was Jesus all about, now that we're able to see the whole picture, what does it actually all mean? So the Old Testament text then that can be just opposed against that is Jeremiah chapter 31, the first six verses of it. And this is the recognition and the promise coming in Jeremiah that the Lord is going to come for the people of Israel and those who have been, you know, felt like they've been kind of abandoned out in the wilderness. But it's because of God's love that, yes, I will build you up again. I will make you sing and shout and dance with tambourines that there will be this celebration and the planting of the ground, you're going to build this back up. There is something greater that is coming. The psalm that goes with this is Psalm 118, verses 1 and 2, and 14 through 24. And as you would imagine, this is a praise psalm. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. And it's this recognition of that the Lord didn't die, but that this is something that continues on, that this is something that outlives all of us, that the love of who God is, is able to take what was once rejected and make it the chief cornerstone, is able to show God's love for us in abundant ways that we can't imagine. The second reading being from Colossians chapter 3, the first four verses of it. And I'm just going to read this. It's very short. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed in glory. This idea of how we were there on Christ's behalf. Christ died for our sins, so we have gone through that death. And thus, then, we should be seeking things to be able to be that light of like what Christ was for us. Like we stated earlier, the alternative reading is then out of Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 43. We already covered that. There is two alternative gospels. We're going to quickly go through these because I would assume for most people this is pretty familiar. But the alternative, one of the alternative gospels is from John chapter 20, the first 18 verses. So this is where we have Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb, had just gone to the tomb and said that he's not there. So Simon Peter and the other disciple, as it is stated, 
go running toward the tomb. The other disciple beats Peter there, but Peter goes into the tomb first. They find that Jesus is not there. This is then for the other disciple, a moment of belief and coming into belief. And then Peter also then is kind of going to tell the other disciples about what is going on. Mary is upset at this. She's kind of wandering around trying to figure out what is going on. She assumes she's hearing a gardener saying, woman, why are you weeping? She responds with, they have taken my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. And then this continued conversation of, can you just tell me where you took him? And that's when Jesus kind of reveals himself to Mary and calls Mary by name. Mary then is trying to come toward Jesus. He says, do not hold on to me. I've not ascended to the Father. But again, is this reiterating of make sure that others know that this has happened and that I am back. And this is something to be told and shared with people. The other gospel that can be used this week is out of Matthew chapter 28, the first 10 verses of it. And a little bit different reiteration here. We have on the Sabbath, the first day of the week. So again, this has been three days. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, which would be his mother, go to the tomb. There's suddenly an earthquake. An angel descends and it appears white as snow. The guards are in fear. And the angel says, do not be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has been raised. As he said, come see the place where he lay. Then they quickly go and tell the disciples what has been told. That the tomb was empty and there was great joy. And Jesus then is appearing in front of them, in front of the Marys. They grab his feet and worship him. And he says then in verse 10, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So the recognition of Jesus returning and what has all happened, the impossible has happened. And so suddenly, this is something worth celebrating. So before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug. Oh, Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainways podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give me some direction and focus for this podcast. So if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out Vanderbilt's Divinity Library with their Revised Common Lectionary. I use it on a weekly basis to be able to look at all the text there along with the liturgical colors, the prayers, and the art as we've talked about before. I really like how they lay out the text week to week. So if you haven't talked about the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend that also. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Green Blades Arising Preaching Publications, either their weekly reflections or their monthly newsletter. The links will be down below. It's a super awesome place to be able to hear from writers from the upper Midwest and beyond on ecological echoes, implications, and urgencies on how to bring this into your preaching or even as you're reading about how to look at these texts from an environmental standpoint week to week. So if you haven't checked out the Green Blades Arising Preaching Roundtable and Publications, I'd highly recommend checking it out down below. And we do have one other new one this week. And that is the Gus Davis Academy of Faith, Science, and Ethics. 
And this is an opportunity for high school students where they are able to spend time in St. Peter, Minnesota and go through how faith and science are interwoven together. This summer, they are excited to explore how insects, climate change, and interconnectedness of creation. The Academy Fellows will be invited to deep dive into growing impact on bugs on the environment, the land we live on, the food we eat, and more. We'll experience hands-on learning in ecology, theology, and discovering how faith and science can work hand-in-hand to create a more beautiful future for our planet. And for me, I'll give you a just a preview. I am actually in conversations right now to figure out some way that I will be physically there to be able to do something with them. So this should be really exciting. I'm really excited to partner with this. This should be an amazing, amazing week. And especially how it's bringing people from all over the country and theologians and activists to figure out these intersections. So if you haven't checked this out, please check it out in the links down below. I think this is an amazing, amazing opportunity, especially for younger listeners. So if you haven't checked this out, check it out below and maybe we can catch a coffee or something like that in June. Jesus does the impossible. We don't really process that well, do we? We've heard this story, as I kind of reiterated a couple times in this podcast, we've heard the story so many times. It's hard to understand and really recognize how impossible this really is. Jesus has died through suffocation. Jesus has died, has been laid to rest, has been wrapped up, has been done all the ceremony. The funeral has happened. He has been put in the tomb. It's over. And yet the impossible happens. The impossible of what we as humans perceive as the end is suddenly not the end. What we perceive as can't be done is suddenly done. And I think in a lot of ways, there has been things that are around us that do the same thing. We have had the amazing and things that even a few generations ago would have seen as unbelievable are suddenly now not only possible, but we depend on them day to day. And I think one of the easiest examples of this is our aviation history. I'll attach some links down below like I always do, but I have to say when you're going through the primitive beginnings and how you have the mythology background on some of these different stories, mythical stories that just okay, cool, we have this idea that we'd love to have flight, but how we're caught. We're not. We're heavier than the gravity pulls on us. We can't fly, but yet we're able to make kites. We're able to see certain things fly. We're able to see birds fly until we get into the 18th century. Obviously, before this, we've had in the far east in China where they've had their hot air balloons, their different ceremonial small hot air affair type things. But when ballooning of potentially people really took off was in the late 18th century, where the Monogolf brothers were figuring out 
unmanned ballooning in France, which then inspired the Robert brothers to work on the same type of thing. And we have this vast expanse and how fast the ballooning experience started to grow. And suddenly we're able to have people travel a little bit further, you know, five miles by balloon. And it's maybe not the longest trips, but we're slowly figuring this stuff out. And as we move into the early 1900s, this then inspires airships, the beginnings of blimps, the beginnings of other gases to be able to lift these ships up. But again, all of these are making it so that they're lighter than air. We're using some type of, you know, the heat to be able to help lift us up. The Monogolfers brothers looking at their pants drying and how the pockets would lift up from the heat off the flame. And that was what inspired them to start ballooning. The idea of being able to use the heat and gas to be able to lift these places up. But Nowhere were we really pushing those boundaries beyond those limits, realizing that there was a a limit to it. We started having early inventors of gliders, but it's not is that really flying? It's postponing, it's a dropping in style is a way you could potentially put it, taking some of the air currents and not really what many of us would consider flying today and yet people are playing around with steam and we're even getting these different suits to be able to get some type of lift but it was at the turn of the 20th century and as many of us have probably heard especially here in the United States how the Wright brothers were able to do one of the first and probably the most well-known heavier-than-air flights, being able to use a gasoline engine and doing multiple different flights as they continued to work with their Wright flyer and making modifications over three different generations to be able to have these short flights, which ended up getting slowly longer and longer and longer the more and more they flew. And the reason that I bring this up with thinking about the history here of this is this was only about 120 years ago. For me personally, my wife grew up in a very different part of the country than I did in the southwestern United States. And for me to be able to see her has been taking jumbo jets when we were dating and taking a three-hour flight or so to go down and see her. In 1905, Wilbur Wright, on the 5th of October did a 24-mile flight that took just short of 40 minutes, 39 minutes, 23 seconds, and this was significant. I'm flying thousands of miles in a matter of three hours, never really worrying about falling out of the sky, much less any damages, as I then make this cross-country flight, the short way across the country flight. How far we have been able to accomplish If we think back for many of us, three or four generations, the idea of us being able to have heavier than air flight, having machines that are heavier than air and being able to take off would have seemed just crazy. Hard for us to imagine and put our own minds around. Sure, I mean, we can look at, there was a a line here of being able to slowly 
put different things together even soon after what the Wright brothers did, figuring out early like helicopter type technology and especially then coming out of the world wars, being able to figure out jet technology with the different types of turbines and stuff that they're able to use to be able to propel us forward. But yet imagine at the time how it was hard to imagine how this was going to transform our lives in so many ways. It's not that much different than the discussion we had last week where I brought up how much has the smartphone changed in the last 15 years. Right now, as we are in the early stages of like ChatGBT or AI technology, and some of the fears and different things that we're having as this is the beginning of the more consumer rollout of what these programs potentially can be and what does it mean for our future, both the positives and negatives of what is going on with it. We can't see fully what has happened, fully what this all means. We're just still in kind of awe of what is going on. But now being able to look at how far what planes have been able to do, we take it for granted, but it's also the recognition of that seemed impossible. But yet now it's become a staple of our modern society. If you think about how the women and even the disciples, depending on which gospel you're reading, It's the fulfillment of things that they've heard since they were a kid. And even in that moment, I bet there was still questions. Am I seeing what I'm seeing? Am I putting things together or am I I reaching here? Yes, I'm hearing that they're saying that Jesus is saying this. And I remember Jesus maybe stating some of these things, but am I being delusional? Am I remembering this stuff right? Am I really seeing what I think I'm seeing? They didn't know to the extent of what they were experiencing the power of what this was going to be for generations after. Yes, we see in Peter's speech in Acts on how he is then being able to process and then this is the commissioning of us sending this out. But even in that time period, they're thinking that Jesus is coming back soon. We are 2,000 years out from these experiences. They had no idea what was going on. And just like us at this time period, when we're looking at the break on the edge of where AI and chat GBT are at this moment, it's the infancy of where we're at. We have no idea where they're going. We can't wrap our head around what this is going to be. Just like the people in the turn of the 20th century weren't able to get their head around what was going on with the beginnings of flight. And what, by the even the end of that century, what it was going to do for us. I just think about how rapid, in certain ways, this has happened. The United States, in the scheme of human history even, is such a short-lived country. It's so new. We were ballooning in the Civil War in the 1860s. To figure out what was going on with enemy sides. And imagine a hundred years later, there's jets. There are jets to do coast-to-coast flights. One hundred years later. The world is rapidly moving. And as we kind of talked about last week, yes, in a climate perspective, but also how fast things are going on. And in this moment, in us trying to process that, I think gives us a glimpse of what it was like with these disciples. They have heard about all this stuff coming and suddenly here it is laid out in front of them. 
Now what? I watched him die, and yet now I'm hearing that he's alive. What does that all mean? Can I actually believe what I'm hearing? This is hard for me to process. This is all happening so quickly. Remember, this is all within around 72 hours. Having gone through the COVID pandemic, remember how fast things happened at the beginning? Can you imagine if the pandemic was starting on one day, you know, starting Friday and you were having all the cancellation, everything was going on, but by Sunday morning, everything was suddenly back to normal? How hard that would have been and like people just in disbelief, was it even that big of an issue? And it's also confronting us with something that we all understand in theory, but we don't understand because we get one chance at it unless you're Jesus, I guess. And he does it in a way that we probably won't be able to, and that's death. Death to die once for all of us, and then Jesus rising again, doing the impossible. We all recognize that this is something that at some point will come to our door, be it for friends and family, but eventually also for us. And we understand the concept of what it all is, but there's so much about death we don't understand until we go through it ourselves. There's only so much we can understand and to know that there is someone who has done the dirty work for us on our own behalf, being on this side of the cross, is reassuring that in our lifetime, we will get to see the impossible become possible because it's already been happened and promised to us. And we get to experience it one time when our time on this planet has come to an end. And at that point, we are then able to recognize the ability and the awe-inspiring of what Christ did for us. Just like the people being able to see within a lifetime, people going from ground transportation and how slow and limiting in certain ways it was and the early stages of ground transportation we had and within a generation being able to fly across oceans around the world is pretty amazing and i think we have to be able to recognize that and i think we need to be able to grab hold of that i think we need to be able to recognize the amazement of the impossible becoming possible the engineering the amount of time and effort that it took for us to be able to figure out flight and the amount of pain and suffering that what Christ did for us and the joy that comes with that. I'm excited about that. I know there's a long way before I get to that point, but it's exciting. It is exciting. So the question I have for you this week is, where else have you seen the impossible become possible? Where else have you seen the impossible become possible? Because I think as we are recognizing this Easter story, as we recognize the resurrection of Christ, we need to be able to recognize the amazement of what that actually is. How amazing it is that we have a God who literally is able to make the impossible possible. And on that note, one of the things I find that's been just amazing for me is this is the 275th episode of the faith and science podcast and who knows when i did this that i was going to line it up a little over five years later that that hits on easter sunday and so i think that's pretty amazing in and of itself and that you've been along for this ride and so i'll say this for the 275th time 
pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.